You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta. A high drive deep out to left field. He clubbed it. Brady twisting and turning, looking up and giving up. It's a home run for Dansby Swanson. Flair out towards shallow right. That's big trouble. Albies going back. He dives and he makes the catch. What a play, Ozzy Albies. Swanson is headed for three. He'll try for it inside the Parker. Relay throw comes toward the plate. He'll score standing, and it's his second inside the park home run of the season. This is your weekly podcast dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road, the number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts. Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. For this week, I am your only host, Eric Cole. You may recognize me from my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I've been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. Now, normally, this is the part of the show where I'd be introducing my co-host, Garrett Spain, and we run through each level of the minor leagues, talk about what's going on, let Garrett kind of go off on tangents, you know, me making fun of Garrett, that back and forth has been a big, big part of what makes Road to Atlanta special, but unfortunately, Garrett is dealing with a little bit of uh, not feeling particularly well, he may be dealing with some strep, the short answer is that his his throat is quite sore and he wasn't able to record this evening, so unfortunately, you are going to have to deal with a solo podcast for Road to Atlanta this week from yours truly, hopefully we'll make sure we keep this relatively short, before I go any further, make sure that you're going over to BatteryBower.com, not only to get your read our minor league recaps and to get whatever information that you need, but make sure that you're subscribed to the Battery Power podcast feed. We are on basically all the podcast platforms. If you take the time to make sure you subscribe to the feed, you only get not only do you get this podcast, but you also get the, the flagship show hosted by Brad Rowland uh, and co-hosted sometimes by myself and sometimes by Scott Coleman, and you get the Daily Hammer as well, which is hosted by Sean Coleman. We they do got, everyone just does such a great job on the feed. I don't want to make sure that anyone misses out. Make sure you tell your friends. Make sure you leave a five-star review and make sure you don't miss a single episode at all. Now, before we kind of get into the level-by-level breakdown, we do have a little bit of news for this week. First and foremost is that the Florida Complex League starts up. Uh, for those who aren't aware, the Florida Complex League is what used to be the Gulf Coast League, uh, the low fi- the rookie ball affiliate. Again, with a re- reorganization of the minor leagues, things certainly did change quite a bit in regards to what, how, you know, to look at each level in terms of overall progression and things like that. But these are kind of the, the very, very bo- bottom of the, you know, the totem pole in terms of their development. A lot of young players are going to be down there, guys we haven't seen in affiliated baseball yet. A couple names that are worth noting on the FCL roster for the Braves, including uh, their bra- their top uh, international free agent target, not this past signing period, but the signing period before, Ambioris Tavares is on that roster. Adam Shoemaker, which was who was formerly on Augustus Rockster and really struggled down there. He is now on in in low in the low rookie ball levels. He is on the roster. Tyler Collins 
one of the top day two overslot signings from the draft last year. He is also on the roster. They did make their debut today as we are recording this on Monday. He did debut today, went one for four, had a walk as well. So reached base a couple times. Can't complain about that. Ambiorce was not in the, the lineup for today, so we'll be kind of keeping an eye on that as well. But make sure that you're keeping an eye over on Battery Power. We're not exactly sure how we're going to handle recapping the FCL type numbers because their schedule's a little bit different in terms of how we get their numbers on a, on a day-to-day basis. But at the very least, we'll be doing some sort of weekly roundup where we talk a little bit about what's going on, you know, going on down there because there's a lot of names down there that are really exciting. Michael Harris, uh, for those who aren't aware and have been living under a rock for over a week now, he he has been staying in the major leagues. He made his debut uh, and through his first nine games has been doing really, really well, hitting 265. Uh, not necessarily showing a ton of power yet, but again, we're talking about a really, really small sample size here, and the, the defense has been really, really good, and he's been hit, he's hit safely in basically most of his games, so we can't really be too upset, but overall, again, we'd like to see him maybe draw a couple more walks here and there, show a bit more power, but overall, it's been a really, really strong start to his uh, major league career. William Contreras, he's about, we're about to the point now with William, he's is no longer really going to be the guy that we're going to mention on this podcast because he's really settled into a regular major league role. He's, you know, we can, we call it being a backup catcher, but really we're, he's getting a good bit of playing time behind the plate. And he's also seeing some time at DH here and there. And that is plenty of, of playing time for a guy who, you know, before the season was kind of the third catching option and, you know, we weren't really going to be talking about him a whole lot at the major league level just because of where Manny Penny was expected to be playing the role as a catcher. But between that and the really how well he's performed at the plate with all the home runs he's been hitting and just really strong at bats, hitting the ball as hard as he has been, he's forced himself into a place where he's gotten regular playing time. And I'm going to go ahead and plug a post by our, uh, by Steven here uh, for over on Battery Power. He actually had a really good article go up today that talks about there's no need to kind of force the issue with playing time with Contreras anymore. You don't have nothing contrived with having the shove him into the outfield or anything like that. He's getting the playing time that he frankly needs and deserves right now. So overall, nothing to be super, super concerned about there. No need to force the issue anymore. He's getting plenty of playing time and he's frankly, the role that he's in right now is perfect. Uh, One last note here. uh, And I kind of want to kind of mention because I've gotten some questions about it recently is that the Braves minor league system is pretty bad right now. Um, At least in terms of top end talent, there's certainly some interesting guys and some really raw talent in the system. But I wanted to just mention that, you know, that is not through anything really that bad other than the IFA penalties happening that has kind of really hurt the, the team's depth and their inability to play in the international free agent market for a couple of years. That certainly did hurt. But right now, the Major League roster is the biggest reason why the minor league system isn't particularly good because it's full of roster of talent that has come directly from the minor leagues. Uh, the last few years, we have Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies, Michael Harris, William Contreras, Kyle Wright, Max Freed, Ian Anderson, Sir Mike Soroka when he's actually healthy. I mean, a couple of those guys were traded to the Braves in their minor league system kind of early on in their minor league careers, but a lot of these guys are been were developed healthily throughout the Braves minor league system and just having that many that many graduations combined with losing a couple guys in Christian Pache and, and Shea Langliers and a couple other lesser guys in a trade that you know for Matt Olson the all those graduations and you know that that trade they come at a cost and that you know between that and the IFA signings and the fact that the Braves have been picking kind of towards that bottom third of the minor of the first round of each year in the draft the it's hard to maintain a really strong minor league system when you're promoting that many guys from your minor league system. And ultimately this is going to be this way for a couple years. 
Now, if the Braves continue to stay aggressive in the international free agent market now that they're back being able to play in that, and more importantly, almost, is to kind of staying aggressive on those overslot high school guys on the on day twos and finding real talent there, the Braves will have, the, the, they'll bounce back. Their their scouting department's still really really good. Their player development's been really really good. That's not that's not where the problem is. A lot of, what happens with a lot of organizations is that they pick high end talent and then they can't develop it. All you need to do is look at the Phillies as an example here. They've been picking relatively high in the draft and they just can't seem to do anything with the talent they have. They trade away guys prospects before they really have a chance to blossom and the big picks that they've made haven't really turned out particularly well so but what the Braves are generally really good about doing is when they they draft guys they develop them pretty well now there's been some notable misses but that's just the way minor league baseball goes hopefully that isn't something that ends up being a a, a pattern down the line where they just have they struggle to really develop the talent that they get but overall the Braves have been really really good about that but people are concerned about the level of depth in the minor league system and I understand that because you know you start looking at how much more help is coming but the biggest issue is ultimately been that they've just been so successful at developing talent that they've been able to get guys up to the major leagues and been doing it relatively quickly now that brings us to Gwinnett where we're going to go kind of line by line and level by level talking about who has been performing well at each of the levels of the minor leagues and we're going to start here with the triple a Gwinnett stripers Bryce Elder uh, had one really good start and then one not so good start. The, the thing about Bryce that has been notable to us is that he's been having trouble later in starts. His numbers haven't looked particularly great in AAA, but it's like he'll go five innings and be really good. And then that last inning, he'll get, you know, he'll like his two of his three walks in the game will happen and he'll give up a three run homer. And all of a sudden, the numbers just look significantly worse. Uh, the homers have been a bit of concern. He's been giving up some hard hit contact, particularly, again, particularly later in starts. But beyond that, you know, it's more of a, there are, there is a bit of a mirage here. It's that the command seems to be getting away from him later in starts. The, the, he's been getting up more runs later in starts. It's not necessarily a hard and fast rule, but we have been noticing consistently that, you know, that's when he, if he goes six innings, that sixth inning is not particularly great. If he goes seven, it's not particularly great. If it goes five, the fifth inning is not particularly great. So something to kind of keep an eye on is whether or not he's able to kind of those last innings, when he's starting to struggle, he's starting to get a little bit gassed and the command starts to get away from him a little bit more. It's whether or not he can battle through that and start, you know, continuing to hit the strike zone and getting that those weak grounders because right now he's been kind of getting hit a little bit harder and walking a few too many guys later in starts. Uh, Tucker Davidson had a strong seven-inning starts with no walks and eight strikeouts last week. Triple-A uh, stats for him almost don't matter anymore because we know that he can pitch well in the triple-A. What it comes down to with him is whether or not he's going to get opportunities, and when he does get opportunities in the major leagues, is whether or not he can command his pitches because he can't walk guys. His stuff doesn't play up enough where he can, like, with runners on base, that he's going to be able to, you know, strike out the side necessarily. He's going to have to be consistently commanding his pitches, you know, being able to induce some weak contact, pitching efficiently, because if he's walking a guy every inning or every other inning, he's just going to find himself in a lot of trouble because he's going to get hit a little bit, and that's okay. But he can't get hit a little, get hit some, and walk too many guys because then all of a sudden he can kind of get himself into tr- trouble. Uh, we're still waiting for the return of William Woods, uh, who seems like he could be in line for a bullpen position at the major leagues if he can get healthy. But right now he's still dealing with an ankle injury. Uh, but it does sound like he's been throwing and feeling pretty good. You know, assuming all the scans and all the checkups go well, hopefully that everything works out just fine, and he could end up going, coming back for Gwinnett and maybe putting himself in line for a job at the major in the major leagues. 
Um, another really good week from Phil Gosselin, and you know he has a season OPS up to three eight sixty nine. Um, the Braves are kind of weirdly set on having Orlando Arcia around as kind of their utility bench option in the infield, and he's hit reasonably well. But the, the you know the one thing that about Gosselin that they could do a lot worse than is having him as that super utility option if things with Arcia doesn't work out because. Gosselin can play around the infield as well as in the outfield, and you wouldn't feel particularly bad about it. So, again, an interesting problem for the Braves to have is to kind of have this quad A guy who's hitting really, really well. Maybe if they, they, they lose confidence in Arcia for whatever reason, then having Gosselin in there maybe is a guy that could even back up Dansby, worst-case scenario. Again, not the not the worst problem to have, but right now he's hitting really, really well, and that gives the Braves some options. Um, a rough week for Grayson Janisa. He didn't play all that much, and when he did, and when he did play, he didn't really hit all that much. Um, realistically, I mean, for a guy who has big time power and has been around for a little while now, as, especially as a college bat coming out of the draft, he hasn't done much at the plate since like the middle of May. Started off the season really, really well. Hasn't done much since then. Um, again, since the middle of May, just really hasn't done much at the plate. So what, it's kind of curious as to what the Braves are going to be doing with him and what their plans are for him. Um, Bryn Shoemake had a couple of decent games, including hitting a home run last week. But overall, he has cooled off considerably, did not draw a, lo- a walk last week. And we would like to see him kind of being able to consistently get on base. And that is not something that he has demonstrated this year. He's had certainly some periods where he's hit pretty well. But overall, just he's been moved pretty aggressively through the farm system. Uh, and... The results haven't justified those moves. So it's going to take him some time. Don't expect him to just be like all of a sudden, you know, figure things out in a week. He's going to be very inconsistent, would be our guest. Uh, but at the very least, he's not performing as well as poorly as he did last year because that was a really, really tough year for him last year. I, again, he's going to be at AAA for a little bit. Don't expect him to kind of all of a sudden turn, you know, go hitting 400 and hitting a bunch of bombs because he certainly has some things to work out. Uh, one last note is uh, about Drew Waters, who's a guy who we get asked a lot of questions about. I uh, had just two hits last week with Mike Larris clearly leapfrogging him and, you know, getting that spot on the 40-man roster with Drew Waters just sitting there on the 40-man roster. It's hard to see what his place is with the organization going forward. He's not lighting up the box scores. Had a good late week the week before last, and last week hasn't been particularly great. Uh, is he dealing with nagging injuries? Probably. Uh, but at the same time, we just don't really know what to make of Drew because he's kind of a guy that, is good for one for four or one for five. A lot of times it's a double. Occasionally it's a home run, but he'll also strike out a couple times. He's not really putting together those like, marquee performances that you can hang your hat on and say, wow, he's really figured out AAA pitching, and now the Braves are going to have to make a decision as to what they're going to do with him. Right now he's just kind of sitting around, hitting 250. Again, one for four, one for five. He does stuff, but at the same time, it's not really a consistent performance out of him. And for a guy who's frankly been around at AAA for a little while now, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he hasn't really kind of shown that he's making those adjustments to be a consistently strong hitter at the AAA level. Before we get on to the last three levels, we're going to take a quick break here to listen to our word from our sponsors. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, and we're going to go ahead and go through the last three levels now, and we're going to start with Mississippi here. Uh, Jared Schuster had a really bad start last week. There's just no glossing it around it. Didn't, uh, couldn't escape the third inning, was not commanding his pitch as well, and was making mistakes in the strike zone, which is a real problem for him because he doesn't have that high-octane fastball where he can get away with that. And when he's missing his, with his fastball command in the zone, he gets hit hard, and he got punished for all the mistakes that he made and was walking some guys. But I wouldn't read too much into this. It's only a second bad start this year. Uh, definitely going to let this one slide. He's honestly been really, really great for Mississippi all year long. And he was still striking out guys. It's just, you know, when he was making mistakes – he just couldn't command his pitches, and the command was both in and out of the zone, which can be problematic because if you start missing with 91 miles an hour in the zone, you're going to get rocked a little bit, and that's what happened to him, unfortunately, was walking guys and was also getting hit pretty hard, which is a pretty bad combination. Uh, Freddie Tarnock also had a start last last week, and it was not a particularly good one. It was actually his third straight rough start for Tarnock, and you know he the thing about him this year is that you know the one step forward that he made last year was that he was missing bats and, you know, kind of inducing some bad swings. He hasn't been missing enough bats, and he's not fooling anyone. There's been a really significant regression in his stuff, both with his breaking ball as well as his fastball. Uh, just not that's just not getting the same movement this this year, and unfortunately that's a pretty bad combination. Um, you know, he's not commanding his pitches, and he's really trying to force things, and ultimately what happens is he'll walk some guys, then he'll start having to take some take something off his pitches, which leads to him, you know, ultimately being significantly hit, more hittable and it just hasn't been particularly good lately and I don't have great answers for other than you know just he's going to have to find a way to like be able to command his stuff and to get that that feedback from hitters where they're swinging at his at his stuff that dives out of the zone and if he can't do that then he's gonna have some real problems against those more advanced hitters at double a uh Darius fine had another solid start last week it was has you know he's Pretty much a lock to give up a home run in every start. He's just kind of that one of those guys that, again, doesn't have that high octane fastball. So you know he's gonna when he makes some mistakes and he does throw a good a good number of strikes. So when he makes a mistake, you know he can get hit a long way. But he's also missing a lot of batters and he has to missing a lot of bats and he's been limiting base runners for the most part. You know he's generally done a good job of not having too many guys on base so that when he does give up that home run per start, it's usually a solo home run and that's. I've got a fortunate thing. He's not a guy that's going to induce the number of ground balls that you want to see. Um, but overall, he's missing bats. He's throwing strikes. I, you can live with a guy giving up a solo home run here and there. What you don't need is a guy who's walking too many guys and having a lot of base runners. Because then when that home run comes, it's going to do a lot of damage. Uh, Indigo Diaz, has, uh, in his last four appearances, and he made several last week, he combined his he, last four appearances has combined for one hit and one walk. And he's been striking out guys. 
looks like he's figured something out, which is good because he's looked really, really bad at times this year. It's been up and down, but, you know, again, this last week or so was a really positive step forward for him as a relief prospect. He's one of the better ones in the system when he looks right. Uh, and so, and you know, for the past four appearances, at the very least, he's looked really good. Uh, C.J. Alexander has six home runs in his last nine games. Uh, if you had asked us before the season whether how likely that was, we would have told you it was very unlikely. He has earned a certain amount of skepticism about his hit tool over the last two years. His, he hasn't been able to hit over 200, but he's looked really, really good this year. And again, this is the guy that we liked a lot when he first joined the organization, hit, some, hit home runs and was hitting for some average and was getting on base at a good clip. Last couple years have been really bad for him, and you know COVID certainly didn't help his case there as kind of an older college guy. But again, hitting for power now, hitting for a bit of average too, and he can defend over at third base. So we're we're, we're kind of cautiously optimistic, maybe sneaking into the back end of a top thirty, especially considering how uh, thin things look back there. Uh, but you know when he's stri- cut down the strikeouts as much as he has, and he's improved the hit tool, and he's hitting for power at a consistent rate, it's hard not to ignore a guy like that, even if he's a little bit older than we would like. Uh, it was a really good week for Drew Lugbauer. Hit safely in all five games. Eight hits overall, including a couple home runs. Drawing a bunch of walks this year. He's been a pleasant surprise down there at AA, and frankly, he's earned a promotion to AAA. AAA's being handled in kind of a weird way for the Braves is that they kind of keep the quad A minor league free agent types that have been around. You know, the 27, 28-year-old guys who have major league time, and they want to just kind of have them at Gwinnett just in case they need to make a spot start. But in pure... Based on pure production and based on like overall talent level, Drew Luckbauer is kind of a triple A guy in that regard to us. He is a guy that if they really needed a first baseman, that uh, he would probably should deserve this, the strongest consideration for the spot. Uh, it helps that he has a little bit of experience DHing and uh, at third base and catching. So he, he has a little bit of versatility to him as well. He's been strictly first base and DH for Mississippi this year, but he has a little bit more personal, uh, positional use, use, versatility than you would think. Uh, you know, especially if you need an emergency catcher type or anything like that. But overall, it's been really, really good for Mississippi. Had a really good year last year and so, and had a good AFL. So overall, he's a guy that we're kind of keeping an eye on. And it's a friendly reminder too, that the way that the rosters are being handled, the difference between double A AA and triple A really doesn't matter all that much. It's more of a question of putting him on the 40 man roster. If he, if he was, if he was needed, but overall production wise, he's right there with anybody. If they really needed a first baseman, um, Luke Waddell didn't play at all last week. And while Riley Delgado has performed admirably in his place, there's clearly something going on with Waddell. I don't have any insight, unfortunately, as to what's going on with over there for Mississippi in Mississippi, right? The second, we're going to keep looking into it and keep poking around, uh, and trying to turn over some rocks, but you know he didn't play a single game last week, and that's something we're looking at. Uh, Jesse Franklin, for those who aren't aware, is out for the season with Tommy John surgery. Uh, he should be back and good to go for next year. You know, as a position player, having having to have Tommy John isn't quite as nearly as detrimental as it is for pitchers. But we won't be seeing him at all the rest of the year. And the Mississippi outfield, I wish I could tell you that they were performing well, but they haven't been. Uh, Justin Dean had a good game last week, but beyond that, they're with Michael Harris out of the lineup for them. Uh, it's been pretty rough going for the Mississippi outfield production-wise. Uh, for Rome, uh, Rodri Munoz had a really good start at the, at the beginning of the week. Uh, he's a hard guy for opposing hitters to square up. Gets a bunch of spin on that fastball, and he can throw it hard. He can sit 96, 97 with it, uh, can push a touch harder for that. Uh, it just comes down to having consistent command and not you know having those spare runners on base and having a lot of deep counts, which allows him to not get deep into games. But he had a really good start, and the stuff is 
excellent. So if he can kind of be efficient about putting guys away, avoiding those full counts, and you know being able to pitch deeper in the games, he could be something special. Um, Roy Salinas only had six starts and six strikeouts in five innings last week, uh, which is notable because normally he's a kind of a, a guy who's just striking out a ton of guys. In fact, in 47.1 innings of work this year, he has 93 strikeouts. He leads all of affiliated minor league baseball in strikeouts by a healthy margin. Second place is Grayson Rodriguez, uh, which is 13 strikeouts behind him. And Grayson Rodriguez is, if he's not the best pitching prospect in all of baseball, he is in the conversation. Um, again, it's been unbelievable what Salinas has been able to do. He is going to certainly make a jump into our top 30. How far up is going to be de- debatable, I think. I, am, I have been on record as saying that I worry a little bit about that delivery and whether or not he's going to ultimately be able to start long-term. But, you know, it's hard to argue with the results. And between his work at Augusta and now at Rome, he's... You know, he certainly put himself in the conversation as one of the better uh, pitching prospects in the entire Braves minor league system. Uh, speaking of one of the guys who's certainly done some good work for himself this year, Andrew Hoffman uh, was great again with eight strikeouts in five innings. Four of his five, five, five starts, he's given up one run or less. He's striking out a bunch of guys. He is a college arm, so he's got to move relatively quickly uh, if he's going to make some hay as a pitching prospect, and he's been very, very good. I, I would be shocked if he wasn't moving up uh, to Mississippi before the end of the season. Um, Dylan Dodd struck out 10 in six innings of work, and it really does look like he's settling into how he wants to attack guys as, starters, as a starter. It seems like, you know, he'll, the first time through an order earlier on in the season that he kind of was like feeling out things, and then the second time through, it seemed like he wasn't making the best decisions pitching selection, pitch selection-wise. He has a lot of different pitches, so maybe it's just kind of a figuring out how he wants to attack lefties and righties on a consistent basis. But the last few starts, he's looked much better. And again, striking out 10 in six innings of work, pitching deeper in the games. Really do like that, especially as a senior signed guy for not a ton of money uh, where they got him in the third round. One thing to love about him, too, he doesn't walk batters. He has walked eight guys all season. So at the very least, with that kind of repertoire he's got combined with the ability to throw strikes, if he can kind of figure out how he's going to attack guys and get those swings and misses, he could be something really fun to watch. Um, Lissandro Santos has been a really interesting relief prospect that we've mentioned a few times here on the podcast. And we liked him as kind of that multi-inning guy, was missing a bunch of bats, and was performing really, really well. But he got to start last week, and they, it seems like he might be getting that full conversion to, starters, to a starter. He was on regular rest going five scoreless last week. Again, I'm curious as whether or not he sticks there. But again, he was on regular rest, so this seemed like this was the plan all along. They wanted to see if they could get him in there as a starter. And he's already been missing a bunch of bats as a multi-inning reliever. Maybe they think that he can be a five, six-inning guy uh, for on a consistent basis while still being able to miss bats. He had a few, uh, a few walks last week, which again, for a guy's first start, this is really not that, that's not particularly weird. But at the same time, if he can be consistently a guy who misses bats as a starter, Another interesting guy. We're going to be keeping an eye on him closely over the next few weeks to see whether or not he establishes himself in that role. Uh, Justin Henry Merloy hit safely in every single game last week, including hitting three home runs. He has been very, very good for Rome. He's had a had lulls here and there for a week or two where he doesn't hit a ton. And we're not sure if he sticks at third base necessarily, but overall he's been arguably Rome's best hitter this year. Uh, Cody Milligan has certainly been uh, pretty good as well. But and it's a weird situation for him from, from a promotion perspective. Because C.J. Alexander is at third base, although there's an argument to be made that it's that maybe Justin Henry could see some time in the outfield, and if they could establish himself as at least a decent corner outfield option, he could get he could get playing time in Mississippi right now if he could play in the outfield. We'd like to see him at least get some time out there because he's not 
He's athletic at third, but the, the actions can be at times a bit stiff, and the the range might not be always that great. I'd like to see him at least get some time over there. And one thing that would be, again, just getting him some playing time in the outfield, see if he could get there. Because if he could do that, based on pure production at the plate, he's a guy that ultimately should probably be seeing some time in Mississippi. Uh, Vaughn Grissom hit safely in every game last week, but he's not really impacting the ball as much as we'd like. Uh, only has three walks in his last 11 games, which isn't particularly awesome either. You know, again, it's kind of a one for four with a single, one for five with a single every single game. He'll steal some bases here and there. But again, we just want to see him impacting the ball and kind of put together those games that we think he's one of the best hitting prospects in the system. But he's just not really kind of putting together those marquee performances that we think he should be able to against this high A hit, high, high A pitching. Again, it's hard to be upset with hitting safely every game last week. But we think he can impact the game, impact the game in more ways and more often. And hopefully, we can see him starting to do that, uh, especially with some more power. Um, Cody Milligan at this point needs a challenge. He's and he is what he is. He's not a guy that has any power, but he draws a ton of walks, and he can hit even if there isn't any power. Kind of a prototypical leadoff guy. He'll steal some bases. Uh, maybe a really good number two option in in a lot of lineups where he is consistently will get hits, will hit some doubles here and there, but is on base a whole ton. And, you know, there's nothing left to prove with that sort of profile, high A. We know he can go two for five with a walk a lot of the time in against high A pitching. He needs to be able to show that in double A and see if he can continue to do that. Because he's not a guy that's just going to find a bunch of power all at once, right? But he is a guy that we know that can hit at the level that he's at right now. Moving him up a little bit, seeing what he can do against some higher level hitting, higher level pitching, that seems to be the play. That seems to be the way he should go. But right now it's a little bit weird in terms of playing time and making that happen. If the Braves start making some cuts, making some trades, things like that, he's a prime candidate to get moved up. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Augusta here before we I let you go this week. Uh, we did not have A.J. smith Shelfer start last week. Uh, seems like he was doing with some just kind of just general soreness and a little bit of fatigue. So they skipped him They they skipped him last week, but seems like he's going to be just fine. He'll play this week. No reason to be concerned at all. He just missed a start. Had a little bit of a rough start the week before. So, again, giving a, a young guy some rest there seems like it makes a ton of sense. Hopefully he'll come back strong and pitch well this week. Uh, J.J. Necro, Phil, ne- Phil Necro's nephew, uh, has actually strung together three straight good starts since moving into the rotation of all time. He's a guy to keep an eye on. He's not a guy that was really on our radar other than as kind of a an interesting sort of heritage-type uh, addition to the organization, but he's been pitching pretty well, so another name we're keeping an eye on. Landon Leach has been sneaky good this year. He's not always super efficient. And he doesn't always miss a ton of bats in terms of getting a bunch of strikeouts. But, you know, the stuff has looked good, and he's had intermittently had some really good starts. Had a good start last week. Uh, not Again, not a name that is going to be necessarily threatening for a top 30 spot, but he's been pitching pretty well. And for guys who have been pitching pretty well, and if he can kind of string together a few starts where he's missing more bats and being a bit more efficient, you know, going deeper in the starts, he can get in that conversation pretty quickly. Um, Cal Conley had five hits last week, including a home run. We do wish he would kind of consistently show that hit tool because, you know, a guy, a college bat like him should be hitting better than he is. But hitting in the 220s and not really walking a ton, that's a pretty tough profile, even if he can kind of get have stretches where he's good and has him been hitting for some more from power. One thing to note with him is that while he's been really good against lefties as a switch hitter, he's been really bad against righties, and he's seeing a lot more righties than lefties. So he's got to kind of figure out his approach you know, from the left side of the plate in terms of just consistently being able to put the ball in play because he hasn't been able to do that so far. Uh, Caleb Durbin is a ton of fun as a player. Uh, he and not really that not dissimilar from 
uh, Caleb, uh, not dissimilar from Cody Milligan, actually, in a lot of ways. He has an 832 OPS this year. Uh, he had four hits and five walks this week. A 413 OPB on the season sure does help a lot. He's another guy that's probably going to get moved up relatively quickly once the draft happens and they start kind of reorgan- reorganizing where they have guys. They're going to need some room at Augusta for draftees. Moving Caleb up, moving Cody up, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, he didn't hit a t- particularly well in the month of May, but he's still got on base a ton because he draws a tons of walks. Uh, he's actually hit for a little bit of power, too. At least it's mostly doubles. He does have a couple home runs, mostly doubles, uh, and isn't a particularly big guy. But for a small school guy, late-round pick, to perform as well as he had, you can't... That 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 is that is going to be a lot of fun. And it's actually going to be funny at Rome that when M- Milligan ultimately does get promoted, and we do think that that will happen, uh, especially once the draft happens and they kind of, kind of, again, do a lot of the culling to make sure they have room roster room for guys. Having Milgan move up and having Durbin move into that spot, they're very, very similar players in terms of not having a ton of power, but can hit and can get on base at a high clip. Uh, Darling Florentino has been fully converted to a reliever. Uh, we've mentioned this a couple times, but it's a fun story. He's a guy who's built like a linebacker, really, really strong-looking guy, and just didn't really work out as a position player. They moved him over to a reliever, and while he's his command is certainly suspect at times, it's still a fun story, and it seems like he's, you know, Seeing some time in some high leverage situations. Sometimes it's worked out, sometimes that's not. Uh, and one last note about Augusta before I let everyone go this week. Braulio Vasquez only played in three games last week. Uh, his, his playing time has been a bit intermittent over the last couple weeks. He Maybe he's dealing with a minor injury because he's certainly been one of the better hitters on the roster this year. But certainly been dealing with, some, dealing with something that hasn't been playing as well the last couple weeks and hasn't been on the field as much. Uh, my, our guess is probably some minor nagging injury, nothing to be concerned about. But he did have three hits and three walks last week, so it certainly seems like you know at least his eye at the plate has been so far so has been as good as it has been. That's pretty much all I've got for you this week. I promise that next week that Garrett's gonna be back, hopefully uh, healthy and able to talk again. Thank you all so much for all the support on pod, on the podcast. Again, if you don't want to miss a single episode, make sure you subscribe to the Battery Power Podcast feed. You'll get this podcast, you'll get the flagship show, and the Daily Hammer, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Make sure you're telling your friends about the podcast. Make sure you're sharing it. Five-star reviews are always appreciated to help make sure it helps us grow the podcast. And until next time, we'll see you on the road. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.